you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. How are you guys doing this morning? I am going to pray one more time because I always need extra prayer. So, Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity and this privilege to speak in your house this morning. I thank you that we have the freedom to even be here this morning, Lord, and I pray that we would never take that for granted. I just pray that you would begin to soften and prepare the hearts of your people to hear the word that you um, have prepared and that you would be able to get the message that you have across despite any of my inadequacies, Lord. We just surrender this service to your Holy Spirit that you would have your way in your precious name. Amen. Um, So I'm going to take a second and get my life together real quick before we start. Um, Like Brady said, I'm the youth pastor here, um, and I have been for, I think we're going on five years, but I've been here now almost um, four years, or not four years, ten years. What am I even saying? I looked at the number four on my page. Um, And I have just counted it such a great blessing to be here and to be able to be under Pastor Tim and Teresa's leadership, and I'm forever grateful for them. Um, And so we're going to go ahead and start, and I just kind of wanted to give a little bit of background. So several weeks ago, when I ended up getting put on the calendar to speak this morning, I was um, just asking the Lord, okay, like, Lord, what do you want me to speak on this morning? I never want to come in with my own agenda, my own message, and I just kept hearing him say the word hope over and over and over again. And I wasn't 100% sure what to do with that because I don't know about you guys, but I've heard like millions of messages on faith. I've even spoken on faith before, but I was really trying to recall like sermons that I had heard on the topic of like hope specifically. Um, And I wasn't really having a bunch come to mind. And then um, several weeks ago, um, after the Lord just kept giving me the word hope, I remember sitting in service and hearing Pastor Tim, he started a series on Abraham. And he's done such a great job with that series. I've been so blessed with it. And a lot of the series kind of, um, it went around the topic of faith. And I just remember asking the Lord, like, why would you want me to speak on hope when Tim is already speaking so much about faith? And what does, like, hope encompass that faith doesn't already encompass, right? Like, hope is great, but, like, faith is so much greater. um, And it covers so many more things. And I just kept hearing the Lord say, like, he wasn't giving me much, but he just kept saying, he's talking about hope, I'm asking, or faith, I'm asking you to talk about hope. And I just wasn't getting much more. And so I was trying to ask the Lord, okay, like, what is the difference between biblical hope and biblical faith? And I'm still kind of wrestling a little bit with it. But um, Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for evidence of things not seen. Faith is biblically defined as an unwavering trust in God. It is a present trust because God showed us himself to be reliable throughout the Bible and, I'm going to add, throughout our lives. That's why the longer we live for the Lord, the longer we have relationship with the Lord, the the more that we see um, who he is and begin to learn his character. And I know for me, like, the more I've seen him show up in my life, the greater my faith has become. How many of you guys are able to say that you've experienced that? Like, Um, Yes, it is absolutely based on the God of the Bible, but it is also very much based on the God of today. And anyone that has walked with the Lord for any number of days, months, years will begin to grow in their faith as they see um, more of his character. So I just said it's based on an unwavering trust in God um, that's present. And so this is why 
Um, like I said, our faith will grow the more that we get to know him. It's not based on our present circumstances, but pr- rather a present declaration and belief. So while faith is like in the present, because what it's saying is we're going to have faith today, not tomorrow. Like I'm standing on faith. I'm walking in faith today, not based on the current circumstances, but because of who God has been, who he is, and who he always will be. Does that make sense? Um, I have faith right now that what the Lord says is good as done. Hope is future-focused, and it means to greatly anticipate something. Hope deals more with our affections, where faith deals more with what we currently believe to be true about who God is and what he has said he would do. So we hope for X, Y, Z, and we either have the faith to sustain us in that hope, or we believe that the situation is hopeless. Hope is the thing that we're needing faith for. It's the affection of our heart. Um, Faith is what keeps our hope alive. The ultimate hope as Christians is found in God's redeeming, saving grace and that we would one day spend eternity with him. So now that we have a little bit of an understanding of the difference between hope versus love, um, we're going to put a pin in that and come back to it a little bit later. And so when I was talking to Tim about what, um, did, what did he want me to speak on in this series and trying to figure that out, he had basically had free reign. He said, you know what? You don't have to stay in the series of Abraham. If the Lord is giving you a word, you know, follow that. Speak on whatever the Lord is wanting you to do. And so even though I just kept hearing the word hope over and over and over again, again, without much more like detail, just I kept hearing hope. I also felt the Lord nudging me to continue the series on Abraham and to specifically talk about the story of the Lord testing Abraham's faith when it comes to Isaac. And so I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys a little bit. Um, Right when I finally felt like full confirmation was maybe sometime at the end of last week, mid last week, where I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about when the Lord tested Abraham's faith. Oh, I'm going to try not to cry. I'm a crier. Sorry. Um, This last year, really most of my life, I have walked through... um, hoping and praying and standing in faith for some loved ones of mine. And this year, sorry, I'm trying not to cry. I'm going to try my best to get through this. Um, Things that I've been believing for had seemed to take kind of a turn for the worse, but still standing in faith, believing the Lord for healing, salvation, repentance, restoration, freedom, all of those things. And then right after I felt like the Lord had sealed that word for me and what I wanted to speak about today, I had gotten some some news and my husband was working that night and I just felt like a moment of such hopelessness like not like a lack of faith in the Lord like I wasn't angry with the Lord I didn't lack faith in who he was but this particular situation had just felt so hopeless to me and I don't know how many of you guys can have ever had a moment where it's like the up all night in tears praying asking the Lord, like, type of hopelessness. Has anyone ever encountered that type of just despair? I'm, I think of David when he's like, um, my soul longs for thee. It's like in the Psalms, and it, he talks about how, like, you know, all day and night, like, just my tears are all I have to eat. And I'm not normally somebody who sits with grief. Does that make sense? I'm a pretty outgoing, positive person, but this was just so heavy on my heart. Um, and I just remember asking the Lord, like, why would you want me to talk about hope? when this situation feels so hopeless, like not a lack of faith in the Lord, but we, there's free will, right? We live in a fallen world. Um, in this particular situation, I just really was like, Lord, I need you to bring hope, you know, into my heart. I need you to give me perspective. And in that moment, because I was still trying to connect, like where did the Lord want me to go when it came to hope and the story of Abraham? 
And in that moment, the Lord kind of connected the two for me. And he, um, he asked me some questions. Well, first, he reminded me that if we truly believe that God is who he says that he is, then we truly as Christians and Christ followers can't ever say that any situation is hopeless. Irregardless of what, like, we are never without hope if our foundation is on the Lord. But then he asked me, like, what my whole ultimate hope was in. You know, he took me to a place where I had to repent. And sometimes we, like, and I was like, Lord, my hope is not even in, like, earthly things. Like, I'm literally hoping for the salvation and deliverance of loved ones that you are telling us to stand on. And the Lord really had to bring me to a place of, like, okay, but if it is paralyzing you to the point that you can't function, your hope is still in a gift that I'm giving, which is salvation and redemption and not me, like, myself. And so the Lord really took me to a place of repentance of like, Lord, I trust you with this. Um, and eat, no matter the outcome, right? Like no matter the outcome, I think of um, Shadrach, Meshach and, Meshach, and Abednego when they're in the, um, and they're like, our Lord will deliver me, but even if he doesn't, right? Like our hope has to be in who God is, not just the promises that we receive from the Lord. Um, and so um, the connection that I believe like the Lord was asking me to make is in the story of Abraham, who, um, if you guys have not been here the last several weeks, I want to encourage you guys to go back and listen to those messages. They have blessed me so much. So I'm going to get into our actual message real quick, but I want to give some background for those of you that may not be familiar with the background of this story and have not been here for Tim's messages. So in Genesis 15, 1 through 6, and in Genesis 17, 1 through 8, we see God promised to make Abraham the father of many generations, um, by giving him and his wife, Sarah, a son. So at the time that the Lord had first given Abraham and Sarah this promise, Abraham was 75 years old, which is crazy. <laughs> like, I don't even want to have more kids, and I'm 36, because like, my, like, my body was on the, like, struggling with Audrey, and I was in my early 30s, I think. Um, I don't remember how old she is. Four. So yeah, 32. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you have more than one kid, you'll understand. So I can't even imagine. So I believe Sarah at the time was 65 when that first promise was made. Um, And we see them wait 25 years before the fulfillment of that promise. In between, Tim talked last week about what happened when Abraham and Sarah grew weary of waiting on the Lord. They took matters into their own hands. Things got, it got kind of, you know, messed up, but they repented. The Lord brought them back on course. And then 25 years later, when Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90, I believe, um, their son Isaac was finally born which was the son um, of promise that the Lord had promised would make their um, descendants great, like numerous as the scars in the skies, the sand, um, numerous. And so here we see a man and a wife who have awaited. And I just want to add the promise from the time of the promise to Abraham was 25 years. But when we see the interaction before the Lord Um, with the Lord and Abraham at that initial promise, Abraham came to him already. Like you can tell this couple had been longing for a son long before that first promise. So it was much more than 25 years. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes days go by and I'm impatient with the things that I bring to the Lord or weeks or months, you know, years, like well over 25 years. I would probably say well over 50 years um, that they had been wanting a son, but it was 25 years from the moment of promise from the Lord where he said, I will give you a son. And so we're going to dive into a passage really quickly, um, Genesis 22, 1 through 18, and I'm going to do what Pastor Tim does, and if you guys could stand for the reading of God's word. Verse 1 says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham got called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, 
your only son, yes, Isaac, who you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he, while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? I'm going to pause real quick and just point out that Isaac at this point, we don't know exactly how old he is, but he was old enough to journey several days with his elderly dad, old enough to carry the firewood on his back and old enough to notice like, wait, where's the burnt offering? Like, and have these full conversations with his dad. And what I think is so beautiful, we're going to continue reading in a minute, based on Abraham's age, like he's elderly and based on Isaac being old enough for at minimum these things, Isaac very easily could have overpowered his dad in this moment. But it was also not just a sacrifice of Abraham, but Isaac submitting to his father for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and the boy walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as burnt offerings in place of a son. Abraham named the place Yahweh, Yireh. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Um, which means the Lord will provide. Oh, Jireh, just kidding. The Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, will be, it'll be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. You guys can sit down. Um, so a couple things that I just want to um, point out in this passage is um, that we see about Abraham, his character, the Lord, and this to obey. So first and foremost, we're just going to get the elephant in the room out of the way. Like, that's a crazy ask. Like, hey, kill your son. <laughs> like, sacrifice him to me. Like, I don't care what the culture is. Like, that's insane. Um, can you imagine, like, all the things? Like, what are people going to think? What is my wife going to think? My, like, this is my child that I love more than anything. Like, it's not that this was just a different culture. Like, people didn't just sacrifice their promised sons back then either. Um, and so despite the fact that this was such a, like a large, um, ask from the Lord, Abraham was willing to obey. The next thing I want to point out is that Abraham was willing to obey without all of the information. So they didn't have GPSs back in the day. Like I get lost still with a GPS, but he literally says in verse two, 
go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So when Abraham chose to obey the Lord and go on this journey, he didn't have every, like he was, he was literally following the Lord blindly. He received the first piece of what the Lord was asking him. And he walked in obedience, even without the full, like he didn't know fully, he had an idea of where he was going, but didn't know the exact place and had to depend on the Lord in the midst of this journey to show him like where to go. And he did, because it says when he got to the place um, that the Lord showed him. The next thing I want to point out is in verse three, it says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. A lot of times we um, receive instruction from the Lord or the Lord speaks to us and we wrestle with it far longer than we should. Um, I used to always, like I've heard a saying that says delayed obedience is disobedience, partial obedience is disobedience. And so he left the next morning. I'm assuming he literally prepared all the things and went without all of the information, knowing that this was a like crazy thing to be asked. He trusted the Lord so much that his obedience was unwavering. The next morning he went. Um, another thing that I want to point out from this passage is that he never stopped having faith or holding on to the hope of God's promises. And so when we place our hope in the Lord over his promises, that doesn't mean we abandon his promises, right? Like we're called to pray in faith. We're called to, um, to hold on to the hope of his promises. The problem is only when we place that above our hope in the Lord, like as a whole, because then we get in the way, our flesh gets in the way, our preconceived notions of how his promises should play out or when they should play out. And so I'm going to show you guys here in verse 5. He literally says, stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship and then we will come right back. So he had so much faith in who the Lord was that he was like, we're going to come back. And I'm going to read you guys another passage that just highlights like the confidence that Abraham had in the Lord and his hope in the Lord is Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. It says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom the descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was even able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from life. And so it's not that Abraham abandoned the promises of God. His hope was just so in like who the Lord was that like the rest was secondary. Does that make sense? And so um, placing our hope in the Lord doesn't negate the promises of the Lord. If anything, it actually allows us to stand in even more boldness and authority because we know who God is. Um, he didn't need to know God's plan. He just needed to know God's character. And so he had received a promise from the Lord, and he wasn't letting go of that, but he was willing to lay it at the altar because he just wanted the Lord even more than he wanted the gifts of the Lord and the promises of the Lord and the things that the Lord was asking and so then we see a couple things um, that came from this. You know, we see verse 11, the Lord did stop Abraham and he did provide the lamb. We later see in scripture where the Lord provides his own son, Jesus, as the ultimate sacrifice to atone for all of our sins and all of the things that we go through. And we see a truth that the Lord has been, is, and will always be our provider in every circumstance, in every situation. And I've heard people ask, like, why would the Lord like change his mind? It wasn't that the Lord was changing his mind and what, like, he doesn't know what he's wanting, but the Lord was trying to do something in Abraham, but also showcase, I think, for all of us to see what the, like, what a, what a picture of surrender looks like, what the picture of provision looks like. Um, and while this chapter clearly shows us Abraham's great faith, I also believe it shows us that the ultimate true source of his hope came from the Lord. 
Genesis 22:12. It says, you know, the Lord speaks and he says, or don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son, the son that he had hoped for, the son that he was promised from God himself. Like, he wasn't even going to withhold that. The thing that he, like, he could have easily placed his son as the source to the promise and to the things that the Lord was doing, but he, he didn't. He placed that in the Lord. And so what happens is, because of Abraham's obedience, um, well, it's evident throughout the scriptures that Abraham longed for and held onto the promise of his son Isaac and how it be through Isaac that the Lord would make, make Abraham descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. But if, God's, if Abraham's ultimate hope was placed in Isaac or even that promise that the Lord had gave over him, um, Abraham would have, would have surely failed that test. But because he was willing to lay down on the altar, the person and the promise that he held most dear, it was truly then that the Lord could, one, show his provision of the lamb, the ram. Often we don't experience... So how many of you guys have ever... I've been convicted of this, where there's times where I'm like, Lord, why are you not moving? Why have you not come through? Like, why have I not seen this miracle? And I recognize a lot of times, specifically in the American church, it's because we're not walking in obedience and we're not making room for a miracle. We have our we have our savings accounts, we have our backup plans, we have our safety nets. We've put all of these things in place so there's not room for a miracle. And so had Abraham not been willing to sacrifice at the altar, there would not have been space for the Lord to provide the ram. Um, it made a way for the Lord to do that. The second thing I want I want to point out is that it allowed the Lord the opportunity to grant Abraham the fullness of the promise that he was given. At this point, Abraham had only received the first half of the promise, which was a son. But now it says that because of his obedience, because he was able to be deemed trustworthy um, by the Lord, that he could fully bestow the fullness of his blessings and promises to him, which was to make his descendants more numerous than the the stars in the sky. Like he was able now out of, because he was willing to lay it up the altar, the Lord not only gave it back, but gave it back with the fullness of the things that he had for him. Versus if Abraham had just kind of clung to this and held on to this and was like, no, 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 this is, this is the only way that I can possibly see the Lord doing the thing he said he was going to do versus walking with an open hand to say, Lord, I trust you with it all. The song that they played, um, it's the Move Your Heart was one of my, it's, it still is one of my favorite songs, but there was like a solid year in my life that that song was on repeat because that's, I just, I want, I just so badly, that was my heart's cry. It's like, Lord, you can have it all. Like whatever moves your heart, like that's, you know, take it all. And that's the posture that the Lord is wanting us to walk. And yes, he wants us to cling to his promises. Yes, he wants us to cling with the hope of the things that he has for us. But more than any of that, if we're not walking with him as our source of hope, we're going to surely be disappointed because there's nothing this side of heaven that could ever sustain us, that could ever not let us down, that would ever, like, we live in hopeless situations because our hope is in the wrong thing. And I'm not somebody that's never, like, believed that lie before. If you can ask Tim and Trey, several years ago, there was a point where I thought my marriage was hopeless. And not to, like, brag, but I look at my marriage now, the man that I'm married to, like, I truly have one of the best marriages that I could, I've ever seen. But if you had asked me, what, seven years ago, six years, like, hopeless. I, it was, it was, there was no hope. I was staying because I just wanted to be obedient to the Lord. I've looked at other situations in my life, my, fan, my finances, and I've said hopeless. And it's when I've realized my hope has been in the wrong things all along. It's hopeless because my hope is in something that is physical. It is something that is temporary. It is something that is like, like dust, could just be blown away. 
first. But when our hope is in the Lord, that is a sure foundation. Um, so I want to ask you guys, my question for you all this morning is, what are you placing your hope in? What situations have you believed the enemy in that you're believing is hopeless right now? You feel like, okay, but this, there's no way. Like, there's, it's not possible. Like, this is hopeless. What things are the Lord asking you, is the Lord asking you to lay down at the altar that you're withholding? Oftentimes, we won't come out and say, like, oh, God, you know, like, I'm withholding these. These things are idols. But we see the fruit of that. When we look at our life and we, we're living out this, thought, this, mind, this process in our mind of like, Lord, you can have anything but this. You can have anything but my tithe. You can have anything but my time. You can have anything but this job. You could have anything but I won't go. Like, and it's, it's subtle, right? Like it's creeping deep down inside where um, ask yourself, what are you withholding from the Lord? Another sign that we can see that we're placing our hope in the wrong things is if we are living in constant fear and anxiety over anything. Like, our world will just be shattered if X, Y, Z happens. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is something that I have struggled with quite a bit in the past. I married my husband's a law enforcement officer. And when we first got married, I had many nights up um, with so much fear and anxiety that something would happen to him or for my kids and their health. And I remember, I don't remember what speaker it was, but I read something or heard something. And she said she had to reach a place with the Lord where she said, even if, and then insert the biggest fear. Even if, X, Y, Z, the Lord is still good and he will sustain me because he is my hope. And so I remember days I would, I literally would pray that like, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray it till I believe it. Even if, X, Y, Z, the Lord is still good. Even, so what, what's going to happen? I will grieve. I'll be heartbroken. I'll be devastated. And then I will be able to pick myself back up. Not me. The Lord will pick me back up and I'll be able to stand on his goodness and his faithfulness and his promise. And so since then, um, the Lord has asked us to operate in faith in a lot of areas. And when it was selling our house, when it was quitting my job, when, I mean, this is a silly little thing that might not be super important to you guys, but this last summer, um, I really wanted Audrey to be in preschool with Emma. We couldn't afford it. There was, my older kids get a scholarship for my husband being law enforcement, but it's once they're in kindergarten. We applied for this other scholarship that we didn't think we were going to get. We got rejected twice. And I just kept praying, like, Lord, I really, like, I really believe this is where you want her. Like, this is what, and just, just got rejected. There was no space. And then I remember one day sitting in my car and being like, Lord, like, I'm, I'm bringing you the desires of my heart, but ultimately I trust you. So if this doesn't work out, I'm reaching a place of surrender with you. Like, Lord, it's yours. I trust whatever the outcome. And literally that week, she got accepted the scholarship where there wasn't a spot in the preschool. She got one. And so I've been able to live multiple things like that, which have grown my faith. But it comes from the source of that place where I had to reach a point with even if God is still good, even if like God is still good, like even if X, Y, Z. And so I want to, I want to, um, I just want to, I don't know if warn is the right word, but if you're living in that, like God, anything but this, I would encourage you to hand that over to the Lord and change it to Lord, even if, even if, like even if, and to be able to walk in who he is and the goodness of who he is and the fullness of who he is. Um, and so another thing that this can manifest in is maybe you've prayed and believed for something to turn out a specific way and it didn't go as you'd hoped. And now maybe you are struggling with um, lies from the enemy about the character of God or the goodness of God or... Um, maybe there's a grudge or there's some space between you and the Lord. And I would encourage you guys to just continue to seek him and to replace the lies of the enemy with truth because 
we can get so hyper-focused on the situation right in front of us. That's what I was doing with my mom and my brother. So hyper-focused on like the physical, right? Like the physical of what's presented in front of me right now that I had lost hope. But this is why we're called to recall the stories in the scriptures. This is why we're called to gather together and hear testimonies and to be able to be encouraged by each other and of the reading of his word and the studying of his word is that um, there is no area in which the Lord is not capable. There's, he's not unloving. He's not unjust. And so if you're currently sitting with a lie right now that the Lord has failed you, I want to encourage you more than ever before, this is the time not to check out, but rather to seek his face, to get in his presence, to walk in humility with the Lord and say, Lord, like, and you can be transparent with them and say, Lord, like, I feel like, you know, X, Y, Z, and I promise you, I promise you as somebody who has sat with that, like, Lord, why? I've seen him bring me to the other side and to be able to walk in the goodness and the promises. And we may not understand every bit in peace on this side of heaven because I personally do not want to serve a God that I can like, just comprehend in my mere mortal brain. He's so much greater. He's so much, I mean, just his ways are not our ways. They're higher than our ways, but he will, he, he will gift us with a peace that anchors us. And him, there's a scripture in, oh, I don't remember where it is. I think it's in Hebrews also, but it talks about how hope is the anchor to our soul. And so in the midst of a storm going all around us, Jesus is that hope that it talks about when you do like a deeper study of the word. It's he anchors our soul. So in the midst of a storm, in the midst of under, like not being able to understand or comprehend or fear or anxiety or whatever, he is the hope that anchors us in the storm, that fills us with peace, that passes all understanding, that fills us with joy, that redeems, that is all these things. But even in the sense of that, let us not pursue his gifts more than just his presence. Um, and so I want to encourage you guys. Um, I really, this is something that we can like struggle with our whole lives, like every day. It's all year long. But enemy knows how to use um, moments of vulnerability and weakness. And I felt the Lord just kind of wanting me to express, like as we enter into this holiday season, some of us, are more vulnerable because of all the things going on around us. So in seasons like this, as we're getting, you know, we're gearing in towards Thanksgiving and Christmas and years and all of these things, we can be filled with all of these warm, fuzzy feelings with joy, excitement, nostalgia, all these things. Or we can also be filled with feelings like loneliness, anxiety, stress, grief, exhaustion, inadequacy. Um, and can I tell you that both of those things are a scary thing to place your anchor on because, um, or to place like your foundation on, because one, we don't walk, like we don't live with those, like those who have no hope in the Lord. Like we live like those like in light, not in darkness. And so, um, the Lord tells us in his word that he's close to the brokenhearted. So if we're dealing with some of those things, like I remember last year without my mom and my brother, the holidays were so difficult for me because it was the first time that I didn't have like relationship with them during the holidays. And the Lord just, he really, he held me close and he walked with me through that season. But can I tell you a secondary warning is that sometimes we have this false sense that we're good because we've placed our hope in things that are actually going pretty well so far. Like our relationships are going well, financially we're doing good. We're walking into this holiday season and our tree is up and all of this, you know, all of this stuff. And we think like, oh man, like, God is so good. He's so good. But like, is he still good without those things? And so we have to be very careful and to be on guard that the enemy is not one lulling us into a false sense of hope where we think that all is well, because right now things are well. Does that make sense? But the second one, what is, I think of that Jenga game, one little block is gone. It all comes tumbling down. 
And likewise, we're not allowing the enemy to fill us with lies of hopelessness and fear and anxiety and all, whatever, lack, grief, all of those things. The Lord will sit with you in those things. And so I just want to encourage you guys, when you leave here today, I'm going to wrap up and we're going to pray. Um, if you feel like the Lord is asking you to lay something at the altar, something that might be very difficult for you to get up. And I'm like, I've been there where I'm like, oh Lord, anything but this, like this, like just, you can trust him. You can trust him. We see it with Abraham. We see it all throughout scriptures. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in my friends' lives. There's nothing that the Lord is going to ask of you that he is not more than able to, um, to like, to like return tenfold. Does that make sense? And I don't even mean in the monetary or in the physical, but like in like who he is. And so I want to encourage you guys not to allow this season of life to fill you with the wrong types of hope or to allow a false sense of hopelessness when the Lord is ultimately the hope that we rely on. And so I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer um, and then we'll wrap up. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word, Lord. I, I thank you that we can place our hope in you. I thank you that in a world that is unreliable, in a in a world where people let us down, circumstances let us down, we let ourselves down. I thank you that we have a hope that we can anchor ourselves in you, that you bring restoration, you bring salvation, you bring joy and peace, but more than anything else, you bring your presence, Lord, and that we're able to sit in the presence of the creators of heaven and earth, Lord God, and that you love us deeply and that we don't have to strive, we don't have to manipulate, we, don't, we can just accept your, your gift of salvation, Lord God, and have relationship with you. I pray right now for those that are feeling hopeless, that you would remind them who their hope is in. And I pray that you would just um, allow opportunities today and this week, Lord God, for your truth to be able to um, just to chase after your people, that as the enemy would try to discourage that his plans would be thwarted, that he would have no place in the hearts of your children, Lord. But I pray that we would um, be a people that can truly say we want you more than anything else and that there's nothing we withhold from you. In your precious name, amen. Love you, Shaz. I don't know how you do this. There are so many words on these papers. Shaza talks faster than anyone I've ever met in my life. And... Uh, Hey, uh, listen, what you need to know about Shaza is um, we are blessed to have a youth pastor uh, in her and Ryan that sacrifice and live this thing. I mean, what Shaza, what I love about you is um, you are righteous and you care so much about the little things and your heart being right. There's a purity in you that is so beautiful. And <clears throat> before I didn't want her to tell her to do this sermon because I really wanted to do it with you guys. But because um, this is like the most special story in the entire Old Testament. Um, and then as you're saying it, I'm getting challenged and challenged and challenged and challenged because you live this. And uh, the reality is that the Lord is going to ask. He's going to put his finger in all of your hearts because this is what he does as he walks with you. The thing that you love so much that you're so afraid to give up is the very thing he's going to touch. And he's done that with me over and over and over again. But then you'll see the power of his resurrection. And then you'll realize that you're walking hand in hand with your Savior. He is God. There's nothing he can't do. And he's in your life. 
So learning to trust him and obey him and listen to him is, is, is that's what we do as followers of the Lord. So I thank Shaza, thank you for this sermon. Thank you for reminding us that he's not necessarily telling us where we're going or really giving us an out. And we all have an out. Like, all right, God, if you don't do this, then, then I'll, I'll do this. There's no backup plan. We just lay our lives down and we follow the Lord. I'm so proud of, our, of you guys. I'm so thankful to serve the Lord with you. And I just want to open your hearts and know that the Lord is speaking to you. He is putting his finger on some things that you care about. And he is saying, I want this space in your life. And it may come through finances, it may come through your children, it may come through your television time or your Facebook or Instagram time. I don't know what he's saying, but he wants what's precious to you. And then you'll realize how glorious and how beautiful he is. You just Sometimes our eyes are lower than where it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? He gets the highest throne in our life. Father, thank you for what you're doing here in our church. Thank you for our people. I bless your people today with ears to hear what you're saying, with eyes to see what you're doing and where you're leading. And I thank you, God, that you're moving in their lives and in their homes and in their families. You are good. You're good. And you're faithful to your word. And you're faithful to us. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.